Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm on a journey of discovering what loving oneself actually looks like. I want to invite you into my process, hear some of my crazy stories, as well as hear some amazing people with wisdom and insight give their take on what it looks like to love yourself well, and in turn, be able to love people well too. Come on, let's go. Hey again, thanks for tuning in for the uh, fourth installment of The Loves of My Life. Uh, Before I get into the nitty gritty of this last story, I do want to just discuss and lay down some uh, information about me uh, before we get into the details of it. Um, One being I, I am a Christian and I have been raised in church and I've been raised around uh, what Christians believe as the supernatural. I do believe in, um, you know, a heaven and a hell. I do believe in, uh, essentially a good and an evil. I do believe in a God and I do believe in, um, a Satan. So with that in mind, uh, buckle in for this story of the, uh, fourth, the fourth installment of the love of my life. Um, when I was in Chicago, Working as a funeral director, Carson and I now were friends. Uh, I was a loyal friend. I was able, in the last episode, if you remember, talked about kind of switching gears of like loving him one way and then into loving him another. And we were fully, at this point, uh, friends. And it was a, a friendship that couldn't be touched. It couldn't be messed with. It couldn't be interrupted. Uh, there was a fierce loyalty on on my side and on his of uh, almost putting one another first, even above any type of relationship. Um, so I had met a man. Um, I'll use his real name because this is a true story. And his name is actually, his name is Dustin. And uh, Dustin was a psychologist. And he was a pastor's son, uh, same story as me, was raised in church. None of that stuff was weird to him. We had kind of the same history. We kind of experienced the same disappointments. We had the same uh, pull or draw to walk away from the church as well. So he and I had kind of crashed into one another at a real high velocity and realized we had the same background, the same history, the same story. And with that, there was just this real quick and real deep connection. We just clicked real quickly. Um, I remember our first date. He, it was to this day, one of the best dates I've ever been on. He had made, I think, four or five reservations. And it was all a surprise. And he took me to one restaurant, we had cocktails. We went to another restaurant for appetizers. We went to another restaurant for salads. We went to another restaurant for entrees. We went to another restaurant for dessert. And then we went to this like really cool little downtown spot for um, like a nightcap. And it was almost like this fun adventure that he had plotted out. And I got to see all parts of Chicago, even parts I'd never been in before. It's such a big city. So it was so much adventure for me and so much fun and just delightful. We spent hours getting to know one another and talking over good food and talking over good drink. And 
Uh, that was one thing that I think I share is I love good food. And one of my favorite things is getting to know someone sitting at a table, like oh, enjoying food, enjoying company, live music, the whole ambiance of being like at a little dive place in a in a quiet, you know, in a quiet corner in a very big, bustly city. It was just there was something very enchanting and just magical about it. And after our first date, I was just like, this is it. I am hooked. This guy, I tell you what, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And he was very, very charming. He was very suave. He was very, um, he could draw you in. And uh, we quickly just kind of dove headfirst for one another. Just quickly wanted to spend all of our time together. And um, I remember saying to myself, well, he sounds like a duck. And he looks like a duck, so it must be a duck. You know, that was my whole thing was like, well, on paper, this is what I'm looking for, you know. And at the time, you know, in hindsight, I had no idea what I'm looking for. (laughs) I thought I knew what I was looking for. You know, I was looking for somebody who had great faith like me. And here I was totally discouraged in my faith, not even uh, practicing the faith that was so quote unquote valuable to me. So here I am, you know, kind of having this very uh, shallow and very uh, like almost a lie. Like I was lying to myself about what I thought I should want or what everybody would think that I would need or want for myself. So he and I just spent a lot of time together. He, like I said, he wined and dined me, um, quickly started to spend a lot of time at his, his place. He had this, you know, like beautiful, uh, apartment downtown Chicago. And uh, I spent a lot of time down there and uh, I spent a lot of nights down there, you know, which was not normally, uh, something that I had ever done before. And I just found myself kind of living this facade life or living this life that I thought was the way that everybody was supposed to do it. And that uh, the ideas of what I had as romance before were all a lie and were all not true. Um, You know, I was raised in a very conservative home. You know, the idea of um, like intimacy with a man before marriage was kind of frowned upon. It was more so like, this isn't a good idea for you to do. You become really attached in ways that would be easily broken if you weren't intimate with somebody in this this manner. So when dating, you know, not doing that with somebody would make it easier to be able to kind of cut ties more so if you had given a piece of yourself like that to them. And so I found myself just kind of giving all that I had to him And we did things that were movie-worthy romantic. You know, one night, I remember it was snowing. I was in his apartment. The lights were, like, dim. And he was making me dinner. And he was literally making me pasta from scratch. And he had music blaring. And he came and he grabbed me. And we were dancing around the kitchen and laughing. And I was like, this is it. This is the most beautiful thing. Like, this is what my heart's cried for. This is what I want, you know? So I'm having this romantic moment and I realize we have both been swept up in the emotions of finding one another. And we were, again, I found myself in a position where I was getting fed the thing that I thought I so longed for and wanted. I was getting this 
beautiful attention, this like what the movies say is romance and what the, you know, uh, magazines say or what you should be looking for in a guy. And I was I was impressed by his education and I was impressed by uh, his car. He drove, you know, a, a BMW and I was impressed. I was like, imp- I fell for all of the things uh, that in hindsight now looking back are so shallow, you know, so very shallow. Like what I'm now 38 and what I'm interested in is character. What I'm interested in is integrity. What I'm interested in is, are you kind? Are you just not kind, just not to me, but are you kind to people you don't know? Are you kind to waiters? Are you kind to garbage men? Are you are you kind to um, kids? Like there there is a major difference from like what I thought I wanted back then and actually what now is the most valuable thing to me. Um, And so I was just swept up in all of it. And so was he. And we had decided after I think it was two months of dating that he was, I think we were at that point in October. Yeah, we were in October. We were making Thanksgiving plans. And he said to me one night, like, we're going to be engaged by Christmas. And I can remember being like, this is it. Yes, like I finally get what I deserve. I'm getting a doctor who loves to spend money on me, (laughs) you know, like which is really ugly. But that's the truth of the matter. That's where my heart was, was like, I'm finally getting what's owed to me. See, God, this had nothing to do with you. I had to get this. I went and got this on my own. And, you know, that is that is the truth of my heart. That is where it was. And I can remember him approaching me one day and said, we need to move in together. I want to move in uh, together and live together before we get married. That just makes the most sense. You know, it, I think it was like a 40 minute commute for the two of us from where I lived and where he lived. And it to him, it was logical to just move in together. And I was sold like, yep, let's do it. And so we had uh arranged a dinner with my close friends and his close friends and I wanted him to meet my friends and he wanted me to meet his friends and um, we were just going to go out and about and I was going to go meet his people and then we were going to go to another place and meet my people and I was stoked about it like so excited about it and um, I remember going to bed that night and just going through my task list of like what I needed to do. And one of the things was like, okay, I'm going to pack a bag because I'm going down to spend the weekend with him. And I have to make sure I have this dress. I want to make sure I got my nails done. I want to, you know, I'm like making all of these plans for like this new life that I'm living. And I was delighted with it because it was finally something different. It was finally the thing that I thought I wanted and needed and deserved to get, but wasn't getting before. And so... I was in bed and I was I wasn't on call that night so I knew I was going to get a good night's sleep and I was in bed and my phone rings. And I looked down and it was a sweet woman named Jane who was the prayer pastor at my parents' church. Um before they left, my parents at this point had moved back to Canada and had started a church in Canada. So I was no longer attending church really. I wasn't I would show up every now and again but I wasn't I didn't want that in my life anymore. I was too bitter. I was too angry with God for withholding from me the one thing that I wanted. That's the way I looked at it is, Lord, I wanted one thing from you and you withheld it from me. So I, you forced me to go get it myself. 
So I'm going to take matters in my own hands. And look what happened. I got exactly what I wanted because you were just dangling a carrot in front of me to get me to do what you wanted, was my thought. And so this sweet woman called me and she said, hi, Bethany. And I said, hi, Jane, how are you? And she said, I'm good. How are you? And I took the opportunity to just kind of like throw the dagger in there. And I said, I'm great. I am dating a doctor and we are moving in together. And this weekend he's meeting all my friends and I'm so excited about my life. How are you? And she just kind of like dismissed me and said, oh, okay, that's great. And she said, um, I was praying. I, you know, and she had this deep, has this deep relationship with the Lord and was praying and she intercedes for people and prays for people because she cares for them. It's a, it's a posture of the heart, you know, that we are on her heart, on her mind and she prays for people. And she said, I felt like the Lord audibly said your name to me, which in hindsight, looking back, that's a little crazy. That's wild. That should have grabbed my attention, but it didn't. I just said, oh, okay, well, anyway, that's neat. Anyway, I, I, you know, I'm busy with my life, and I'm glad you're doing okay. I'm going to let you go. And she said, I'm just making sure you're okay, and I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I care for you. I love you. And I said, thanks. I was used to hearing that. My parents said that to me. My grandmother said that to me. My aunts and uncles said that to me. That is not anything different than what I've heard before. So I just dismissed it. Thanks. Hung up the phone. Okay, kids. And this is where it gets a little strange. This is where my life totally hooks a left and goes completely wild and different in every way. Um, For the most part, people can argue with me and can argue about what I'm going to tell you whether it's true or not true, but all I can tell you is my experience and what I saw and what I witnessed, which is what I'm going to share with you now. Um, It was about two o'clock in the morning. At that point, I was in bed asleep and I woke up to what I thought was either thunder shaking my walls and shaking my bed like a severe storm or an earthquake because believe it or not, there had been mild earthquakes in Illinois uh, there recently and I woke up to my bed just shaking, just shaking violently. And I sat up in a stupor. I was totally beside myself. I didn't know what was going on. And I looked to the left of me and I saw these three things in my room. And they were in floor, they were floor to ceiling in length. And they, the only way that I could describe what they looked like would be like those when people go to Africa and they come back with those war masks, you know, that people have, they looked like that, but they were in floor to ceiling in length and they were cloaked and they were tethered at the waist by ropes. I know this sounds crazy, but stick with me. And I just sat there in absolute utter disbelief. I was absolutely floored and in utter disbelief. I couldn't, I thought I've, this is it. I've cracked my, I've, I've lost my mind. This is it. I've gone crazy. And before I know it, these three things take off running toward me. They take off running at me from like the entryway of my room into toward my bed where I'm where I'm sitting up. And the moment they get very close to me, they didn't get to me, but they got close to me. They they were yanked back because they were tethered at the waist. This is a true story. Okay, bear with me. So in a panic, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know who to call. I didn't know. Well, I thought I was going crazy. The only person that I trusted with this information to tell and that I knew was awake 
was my brother, Judah, who was living here in Nashville. He was going to the School of Supernatural Life, and he was working at a bar downtown. So I knew he was going to be awake. He was a bar back. And so I thought, shot in the dark, I'm going to call him. Because I was so stunned and in so much shock, I wasn't even afraid. I was just more sitting in disbelief, like, is this real? Am I really seeing what I'm seeing? And I, I called him. And he answered the phone. And crazy enough, I said, you will you will not believe what I am looking at. You will not believe what I'm seeing. Judah, I've lost my mind. And I told him what I saw. And I tease him about this to this day. He goes, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, please pray, please. And he tapped into this like little old like T.D. Jakes. If you don't know who that pastor is, think about like a fiery like African-American pastor who could just like can pray down the house that you see on TV. Like picture that like tent meeting TV preacher. And that's all of a sudden what came out of my brother's mouth. And he started to pray and it sounded something like, in the name of Jesus. It was like something like that, which scared me because I hadn't been to church in over a year. And it was freaking me out as well. And, um, and, it, that everything went, it disappeared. I was all of a sudden in the room alone <laughs> and I started to cry and I said, what is happening? What is going on? Am I crazy? What is going on? And he said, I'm going to send you something, Bethany. I, I can't touch. I can't talk much longer, but I'm going to send you something. Okay. And I said, okay. And he sent me this in what we call an encouraging word. It was from a guy named Graham Cook, who is an English speaker Uh, He is a believer in Christ, and he felt like he had something to tell the church as a whole about who God is and his character and what he's like. And he sent it to me, and I played it, and I couldn't believe what I heard. And I started to weep, and I played it again, and I played it again, and I played it again, and I think I played it seven times in a row over and over and over and over again. And I went to sleep, and I had the most peaceful sleep in my whole entire life. And if you are interested in hearing what this man had to say, you can look it up on YouTube and it is called The Inheritance by Graham Cook. And it is basically him explaining that we have had a misunderstanding of who God is and what he is like. And he starts to talk about the true nature of God. And it rocked my world. It floored me because I had never, ever heard anything like that ever in my life. Like God's not kind. God's not, God doesn't love me unconditionally. God doesn't, you know, and it, it kind of rocked me to my core, but it brought me so much peace, especially after what I had just seen. Um, so I woke up the next morning just in utter like disbelief of, did this even happen? Like, was this even a thing? Was that even real? Like, you know, I kind of like went through this whole, like, I don't even know if that was real. I could have been all just a nightmare. I think I had a bad dream. I think it was a pizza dream, you know? And it was very real. And I called my boyfriend, called Dustin, who had the same background as me, who was raised the same way I was. And I thought if anyone would understand, it would be him. So I called him and he said, hi. And I said, hey, I got to tell you about what happened last night. I had the craziest dream, right? Is what I said. (laughs) The craziest dream. He said, "Uh, Bethany, I have to tell you something. And I said, okay. And he said, um, this is the last time we're ever going to speak. And I said, what? And I felt like literally the wind got knocked out of me. I felt like I just got punched in the guts. 
And he said, this is the last time we're ever going to speak. It's going to feel like the ground is, is, is coming out from underneath your feet. But I am telling you that um, I, I will not marry you. I'm not going to be in relationship with you. And we're, we're never going to see one another again. And I was just like, I don't even understand. And he goes, I don't either. I'm just, I, I can't be in relationship with you. Uh, we're not going to get married. I'm not going to meet your friends. You're not going to meet my friends. You're not coming down this weekend. We're never going to see one another again. And he hung up the phone. That was it. I got no closure. I didn't get to ask any questions. Nothing. So I started to almost have a panic attack. Like, are you kidding me? I literally, two days before that, he called me and sent me um, a link to a website to pick out bedroom furniture for us. Like, okay, so I had picked out this very expensive handmade bed for like bedroom furniture that he was going to order for us. And that was two days ago. And then literally today he told me he was never going to speak to me again without any reason. He, according to him, didn't even seem to know the reason either. So um, I did what any normal girl would do and panicked and called my mom and was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And I called my mom and she answered and she had me on speakerphone and my dad heard what we were talking about. My dad, I was just telling them, I I can't believe this. This is what happened. And uh, my dad said, honey, you have to call your brother. You have to talk to Judah. And I said, I did. I talked to Judah last night. I had this crazy thing. And I told him about what I experienced. And my dad said, no, you have to talk to Judah. He had a dream two weeks ago. I think it's very interesting. I think you need to hear what he has to say. And I was like, okay. So I called Judah. And if anybody knows Judah, it's very hard to get him on the phone. And he didn't answer. And I was like, dang it, Judah. So then I called my, the next best thing to a mom. And I called my aunt Kim. And I said, Kim, this is what's going on. This is crazy. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. And she said, oh, Bethany, a couple days ago, an evangelist uh, that she knew that I did not know that she, she met, I think a couple years ago at a, at a women's conference, called her and said, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your, your niece, Bethany, for uh, two years. And five days ago, this woman had a vision of a guy named Dustin cowering under uh, basically the these three shadows. And she said, tell your niece that that won't, will not happen. The Lord is about to rescue her. And Kim said, I didn't know what she was talking about. I had no idea what was going on. And I was so bewildered, I hung up the phone. And then I got another phone call from a a guy in our church. Well, not a guy in our church. He was my dad's really good friend who was an evangelist. He said, Bethany, I just wanted to call you. You're like, you know, I'm like your uncle. Like, I've watched you grow up. And the Lord wants you to know, like, he's about to rescue you from something. He's about to literally come in. It's gonna. He said, it's a rescue mission on, on your behalf. He is about to come and pluck you out of a thing. And you aren't to mourn it. You're not to cry over it because this is a rescue. This isn't This isn't bad. This isn't uh, something to mourn or get upset about. This is something to rejoice over. Your, everything's going to change for you. And then I was just, I remember I was, I had pricklies all over my body. My whole entire body was covered in goosebumps. And I was just, it was in an instant. My whole life was starting to swirl. You know, for the past couple of years, I was angry with the Lord because I believed he'd forgotten about me. He didn't care about me. It was all a joke. This was him being cruel. He was dangling this carrot to get me to do whatever he wanted. And all of a sudden I was running into people over and over and over again who were telling me about this amazing thing that that God cared for me. So I finally got a hold of my brother and 
he said, hey, and I said, Judy, you will not believe what happened. I told him the story and I said, dad said for me to call you because you've had this dream. What is it? And he said, oh, he said, Bethany, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And I was like, oh, no, what's the dream? And he said, I had a dream that I was coming to visit you in Chicago. And I walked in your house and there was a man at the counter and he was washing the dishes. And he walked over and said, hi, Dustin. It's so nice to meet you. My name's Judah. And the guy turned around and he said he started to hysterically laugh, like belly laugh, like full of joy. And he said, oh, I'm not Dustin. That didn't work out. She's not going to marry him. And Judah woke up from his dream. And he said he just kind of wrote it down and kind of put it to the side in the hopes that he didn't mean anything. And here I found myself two weeks later in the very position that I was in, you know. And uh, I got a call from my aunt in Georgia. I have an aunt and uncle. They're awesome folk. They pastor a church called Be Love Co. They're amazing people. And they called me said, how are you doing? What's going on? And I told her the whole entire thing, the whole entire story about what people were calling and telling me about Judah's dream, about what I'd seen the night before. And she said, to my surprise, you know what? I think you should move down here with us. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to live in the South. I'm not interested. No, no, thank you. And she said, no, I I think you should. I, I think you're supposed to come down here and live with us. And I thought, no, no, I'm not interested. I don't think, no, maybe I'll move out of Chicago, but I'm not interested in moving down south. And she said, okay, well, we love you. We're praying for you, you know, and I said, okay. And then it started that every so many days, my uncle would call me and say, hey, how are you? I think you should move down here. I think you should move down here. I think you should move down here. And, you know, to skip a few steps, there was a couple more supernatural events that happened, but here I found myself moving down to Georgia. It, it was the actual thing that kind of, that whole experience kind of set me up and sent me out like a rocket. And I found myself, I didn't know what I was, what I was doing, but I found myself on a journey uh, of experiencing the love of God all over again in a different way. I was broken and bitter and hurt and angry and felt slighted and felt forgotten and felt left out. And here in one fair swoop in a night, (laughs) in one night, uh, I was being rescued. And it, it was not a quick, it was a very slow process from that point on. It was, I think I moved to Georgia in January uh, of the, you know, a few months later, I was, I gave away all of my stuff in my whole entire house and packed five bags of clothes and I was driving a Volkswagen Beetle convertible and I shoved it full of as many things as I could. And I drove down in a snowstorm. It was an eight hour trip, took me three days because they kept closing down 24. And I think here it was like people were snowed in at other people's homes for days. And I remember driving through Nashville and it being like a ghost town because nobody was out. And I just was trying to make it to Georgia, you know, and that was I can honestly say my my second chance at life began with that that quick step to leave and to um, go with family. But it it came at, at a wild experience. It came because I experienced something that literally shook me awake. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes what we think is good and what we think is finally what we're getting and what we finally deserve, you know, uh, might be the very thing that stops us from getting what's great. 
So be encouraged that sometimes when we feel like the thing that we had our heart set on that didn't work out, that might be but one of the kindest gifts that you could ever get was a kind no, you know? So um, that was the love. That was the last, the last love of my life up until now was me thinking that was the last point I thought I was going to be married. And it ended literally in a phone call. It ended <laughs> overnight. One night in a phone call, he never even got to hear my story. He never even got to hear like what I saw or anything like that. He literally ended it the next morning, um, which I believe that that was all on purpose. I believe that I was seeing what I was seeing because of his life. I don't know to this day what I was being protected from or rescued from, but I sure am thankful because uh, the following years of me living in Georgia and then coming up to Nashville and going to the School of Supernatural Life and traveling all over the world um, has been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole entire life. So hear me when I say, you know, if you're going through something really difficult and you feel like you've been slighted or you feel like this, the universe just won't let me have one thing, you know, let me tell you that there is a God who loves you more and loves you enough to sometimes give you a kind no because he has something better for you out there. So please, you know, don't give up hope. Be encouraged. Like the thing that your heart longs for is coming and it's going to be better than you could even imagine yourself. Anyway, until next time. Bye.